The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Making their way to the studio, representing the wrestling capital of the world, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, your hosts of the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast, Tally and Damien. Hey guys, welcome back to IWP, the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. We are your hosts, I'm Tally006. Over to my left, as always, is my brother Damien. How's it going this week? I'm doing really, really well, and... Man, I am excited, excited about this Lights Out episode we are going to have here today. Uh, I've been buzzing ever since Wednesday. It hasn't stopped. I've watched the match five times now, basically, four and a half. But uh, I can't get enough of this Lights Out match. Unfortunately, y'all going to have to wait until the end of the show to hear what we have to say. So make sure you're tuned in for the entire show. Uh, the, the whole show as a whole. You know, as an entirety, was really good. Actually, it was a special dynamite. You know, uh, St. Patty's Day Slam. It was a good show from start to finish. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely, and it's going to be so fun to talk about tonight, for sure. But uh, we do have uh, we do have some breaking kayfabe. We got Impact Wrestling this week, and uh, another little scoop of vanilla to go through. So why don't we get right into the show with some breaking kayfabe? <laughs> So breaking kayfabe this week, uh, we got to start off with talking about the very first episode of AEW Dark Elevation. Um, I caught bits and pieces of this pretty much kind of the second the second hour of the show. I tried going back and watching uh, a little bit of the first hour, but, you know, life is busy and stuff like that. So I didn't really get to watch the whole thing. Um, what What did you think of the show overall? Did you catch any of it? Yeah, I, I mean, I checked it out. I, I'll honestly say I didn't end up watching the whole show. I more just wanted to see how, um, you know, Mr. White there is his debut commentary in AEW, how he was going to do. And I thought I thought it was good. It's it's very much dark um, with the, you know, bad comedy of Excalibur and Taz. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. That's a good point. Um, a little bit more professional when it comes to commentary. The only criticism that I have for Paul White is that he was really coming at it from the back, the backstage. You know, he was talking about selling. He was talking about kayfabe. You know what I mean? That you're not keeping it kayfabe by talking about kayfabe. You know what I mean? So he needs to kind of come at it like. You know, he's watching it for real, not knowing the secrets, you know, behind the curtain, if you will. So that would be my only criticism. I'm sure someone must have caught that and mentioned it to him. I'm sure it'll be better the next time around. The one thing I really enjoyed about Elevation is, is that they're really trying to make it into a show. You know what I mean? Like dark, it's like match 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 there's no kind of in between if there is something in between it's few and far between this show had four or five 
kind of promo spots and, you know, story development. You know, there was some startings of some rivalries and some stories. So they're really trying to maybe differentiate themselves from AEW Dark on Tuesdays by adding in those kind of traditional wrestling show um, elements by promos and stuff like that. And I guess the big news item coming out of Dark is we got to see, or Elevation, I should say, we got to see Tony Khan on camera as a character, if you will. He mentions, he mentions Kenny, you know, you're, you're making me do something that I never wanted to do, but you're kind of forcing my hand here. Did you happen to catch Tony Khan's appearance on Elevation? Yeah, and uh, I mean it is it's kind of perfect the, the way that that they did it and I love the you know I I didn't want to do this but you forced me to do it. I think that's that's perfect and um I I guess we're just kind of forgetting that he's a character on Impact. I that's a bit confusing to me but um I mean if this is what we're getting out of the future, you know, like if if Tony Khan's going to maybe he's come out of his shell now and, and, and maybe is going to be a, a a figure on on the show on dynamite i, I think it'd be good I, I like what he's doing on impact i think it's a perfect situation for tony khan come on camera every once in a while doesn't have to be every show but every once in a while on elevation get your chops up he he does struggle with live in the moment type things we've we've seen it on impact he really needs a very strict kind of script and even then it kind of gets off the rails but he can cut his chops on elevation and you know what two three four five years down the road maybe we'll get that kind of every week on-screen character from tony khan if the itch is itchy enough if if you if you get my meaning so I think it's a perfect opportunity for him to to try things out. Yeah, I mean, I like what Vince does. You know, he he's not an everyday character. He has his moments or, I mean, in the later years here, he, he has his little runs of time on it, but then he's off for a while. And then, you know, it's good to see him again in the storyline. So even if it's um, kind of that where he just, you know, does maybe a, a three-show story and then we don't see him again for a while that'd be cool i i think i think that first arena show when we're back to normal and we have a sold out crowd in an arena that's not daily's place aew dynamite tony khan needs to come out and start that show much like vince does and kind of just address the crowd thank everybody for you know, the support that AEW has received during the pandemic. I think they're definitely winning the Wednesday Night War at this point. They're definitely the best thing in entertainment during the pandemic. That's sports and, and entertainment in a whole. AEW's killing it, and I think that's a very important spot where Tony can come onto Dynamite, address the crowd as himself. I'm sure it'll take 20 minutes, but I think he needs to do that, that first sold-out crowd. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Um, let's move over to AEW Dark. On Tuesday, we had a little bit of a situation in the main event of the evening. 
Jack Evans has gotten himself into some uh, some trouble, if you will. Uh, there's a little bit of a backstage heat issue with Jack Evans as he botched. I mean, you can argue botched uh, his Phoenix Splash uh, move at the end of the main event as he clips 10 Preston Vance in the mouth, busts him open. Uh, there, there was supposed to be a little bit more to the match as reports are, are being, uh, written and they went right into the finish. Preston visibly bleeding, you know, his chest was covered at the end of the show. Um, there's some really, um, um, I don't know what the word to use there is, but some, uh, chilling stills and images of him with negative one and, and his chest just covered in blood. Um, I'm I'm curious if um if this is why we didn't see him later on on Dynamite if this heat is that uh that permanent. That's the wrong word. I made that word up. But you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um I I thought the I thought the same thing because you know, and Helico comes in kind of for the interrupt here and then on Wednesday and Helco was fighting Ray Phoenix, which to me seemed like, you know, an odd pairing since, the, the, you know, there's there's not really a story there. And we don't really see an Helico in too many single matches. So um, it's quite possible. I I don't know if I get the, the heat unless this is maybe not the first time. It looked awfully innocent to me when I watched it. Uh, at least from the angle that that I seen it, so I don't know. Maybe maybe he's a habitual kind of. I don't know how you say it, but you know, maybe he's hurt guys in the past. Right, it's very possible. I've never heard of this coming from Jack Evans before. Um, so we'll see how this all plays out. I, I hope it's not too too serious, and we get to see TH two back. They're kind of one of my favorite tag teams who aren't getting the love that maybe they deserve, but maybe this is why we're not seeing TH2 as often. So we'll see how it plays out. And our last little piece of news to go over is uh, one of um, at least my personal favorite uh, women's wrestlers that we uh, just don't get to see. Uh, We didn't get to see her um, fulfill her contractual uh, obligations in AEW as she asked for her release she moves to impact has a really good run you know she had some uh mental health issues and she chose to step away from the business for a while but she's coming back this summer to defend her warrior wrestling women's championship uh just announced today against thunder rosa kylie ray making a return to wrestling I'm curious if this is um if this is going to be a one-off thing kind of, you know, now that the independent circuits are are winding back up, she is this uh Warrior Wrestling uh Promotions champion uh out of Chicago. Maybe this is a one-off just to you know, move the belt along, she'll drop it and then she'll kind of go back and and do her thing or maybe she's gotten better. I hope I hope that she's gotten better. And uh, we get to see more of Kylie Ray. And uh, as far as I know and have read, she is still under contract with Impact Wrestling. Scott Demore um, kind of released her as a, you know, a good faith thing. But to 
that she knows that the door at impact is always open. So I'd love to see her back on weekly television. She's a tremendous talent in my eyes and uh, yeah, hope the best for her. can't wait for June. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised, you know, Scott Demore does that. Uh, that's true Canadian fashion and, and, and caring about people and, how could you not want Kylie Ray in your promotion? Um, that smiling face alone, um, and along with a, a really, really good wrestler, this is not somebody that you want to lose. So, uh, let's hope that she's back for for all time, and and we get to see her on a weekly basis. And you know, with this relationship with AEW and Impact. You know, this could mean at some point we would see her in AEW again. Yeah, that would be awesome. Awesome. Good point. All right, let's uh, move right into Impact this week. So we didn't get to cover this on last week's show as it was kind of happening the night that we recorded last week's uh, show. But... uh, the big main event from the sacrifice, I don't know if you want to call it a special or a pay-per-view. Um, I guess essentially it's a pay-per-view, but sacrifice happened March 13th, last Saturday. Uh, Rich Swan going up against Moose in an Impact TNA title unification match. Uh, we caught the match uh, Sunday night. It was a really decent match. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, Rich Swan coming out the winner is now the unified impact champion, I guess is what they're going to call it. TNA is kind of essentially dead at this point. That championship was the last kind of thread of the, of the old TNA days. Uh, what did you think of the match on Saturday? And what do you think of Rich Swan moving on to face AEW champion Kenny Omega April 24th at Rebellion? Yeah, I guess that belt's going right back into the prop locker, eh? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I thought it was a, a really decent match. It, it, it's a bit odd, this pairing, just because Rich Swan's a considerably smaller guy than than Moose, but I, I thought they made it work well. And I mean, as how agile Moose is, it, it really, they, they made it work. And um, I think uh, Swan versus Omega. Th- this is gonna be this is gonna be a really good match. Like I mean, these are two talented guys, and you know, even though Omega's a big guy, like he's agile and and, and he's the best in the world, right? So he's the guy. It, it's gonna be good. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Uh, yeah, I really can't wait for this, uh, rebellion matchup. They've already started the story. Uh, if you, if you caught impact this Tuesday, Rich Swan came out and, you know, you know, pure baby face. He thanked Moose for, for the great match. He, he thanked Scott Demore for the opportunity. He's proud. And, and he, he was citing, you know, thanking his wife for the support and all this stuff. And he can't wait to move forward representing impact wrestling as their champion. And I mean, pretty much on cue out comes Don Callis and Don, the invisible hand comes out and he cuts a, an interesting promo, a promo. We're going to mention again, a little bit later on in the show, 
but he cuts a promo on Rich Swan, um, essentially trying to instill doubt in Rich Swan. You know, you don't, you can be proud and, and, and thank all these people for defeating Moose, but you're going up against the God of pro wrestling now. And the God shows no mercy. And, and, you know, Don Callis says Don Callis things. And it's, it's an interesting moment because when he leaves the ring, Rich Swan does have that doubt in his face. It's not like he laughed it off or shook it off or, you know, shrugged the shoulders, you know, the belts are on the shoulders and he kind of drops them to his side and, and there's visible doubt in him. And I wonder if that's where the story's going, if that's what's going to lead to the downfall of Rich Swan. I thought it was, I mean, Don Callis can go off the rails just, just as bad as Kenny and, and the Young Bucks can when it comes to a promo. And that's very evident here, but I think it's a very important promo and it got the point across like, uh, we're set up for this this build going into rebellion next month. I'm I'm excited about this. I might have to tune into Impact every Tuesday again to see what's going on. Right. Yeah. And if you want anybody to 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 sell a match and and get it over and and get those buys, you can't get anybody better than Ton Callis. Very very true. So that's exciting stuff coming out of Impact. Uh, stay tuned. I believe it was announced this week. It was uh, yesterday or even Wednesday. Kenny Omega is set to appear on Impact next Tuesday. So make sure you're tuning in on Access TV. If you don't have Access TV, Impact streams on Twitch live Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. So check it out. Let's get right into Scoop of Vanilla. We have one little piece of, uh, one little scoop of vanilla here. Uh, it was reported late last week that Andrane, Andrane Cien Almos, I forget how to say his full name or whatever, but, uh, uh, Andrane asking for his release from the vanilla brand. Uh, this not something new. I mean, we've heard wrestlers, you know, over the last 10 years, this is a, this is a constant thing. Uh, what we do see a lot is WWE kind of denying the releases, which they did, of course, in this one. Um what what do you think of Andrande wanting to to leave WWE? Uh the fact that they're making him sit at home until his contract ends. I'm not sure how long that's gonna be. But and uh what do you think the future is of uh Andrande? Yeah, I mean this is a really interesting one. Um just because, I mean, he got this this push at one point and, you know, maybe it didn't pan out. Maybe this is why he wants to release. Maybe he's bitter about it. But, I mean, you're not the main guy. I, I, I don't know what could be happening there that, you know, you're asking for your release. It, unless it's to you know, be used as a bargaining chip for, you know, something else. Um, right. I don't know. I, I think in the end, this isn't going to work out too well for him. And this is going to be like everybody else, no matter, you know, what profession you're in, hockey, uh, football, whatever. Um, when you start asking for releases with no real reason, then, 
who's going to want to pick you up because you get a contract and then you're going to ask for your release. Uh, that's has to be what someone's going to think the outcome is. Yeah. It's interesting. You bring that point up because, uh, Jr. Jim Ross was asked about it on, um, on his podcast from his host. And he had very similar things to say, like, and drawn a great talent, a great worker. But when you're kind of, you know, pigeonholed or, or, or branded as, you know, a deserter, you know, I want, I'm not getting what I want and I want out. People aren't going to want to work with you no matter how talented you may be. So it might be hard, hard pressed for him to find work after is kind of what JR had to say, which I think is interesting. Um, my point of view on all this is that, yeah, like you mentioned, Andrade getting a great push, uh, that tail end of his, um, relationship with Zelina Vega and, and whatnot, like on screen, you know, as their partnership manager and all that stuff. But then Andrade starts dating the queen herself, you know, the Charlotte Flair, they, they, they go open with their relationship and now he's just the guy banging Ric Flair's daughter. You know what I mean? And it's kind of been a steady downhill from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if there's a piece of him, you know, in the back of his mind. It's like, maybe this was a mistake. <laughs> I mean, she's not that hot. Do I, yeah. I'd rather have money. And No, I'm just kidding. But yeah. No, it's quite possible. Um, but you know, it, it's making me think too. It, there's been guys that have asked for their release, and there's guys that have left, and there's guys that have openly, you know, commented on what's going on at at Vanilla, and you know, it doesn't sound good. But I mean, these are guys that bled for this company for many many years and they were names you know brody lee being uh mm -hmm. one of those guys uh you know miro. big show being one of those guys miro exactly um andrande is not these guys in my opinion very talented guy but how long's he he been part of the company and you know did he even have a championship so i i just it almost seems like this is just the thing to do now. Right. And when you don't have that name power, it's not going to work out well for you. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, he did have the NXT championship at one point, maybe a United States championship, but yeah, he really, he really hasn't paid his dues. He's still green when it comes down to things. And I'm sorry, but your name doesn't hold that much power yet. You know, I'm sure if he really stuck it out and, and made a name for himself, then maybe we're not having this conversation five years down the road or whatever. So, yeah, maybe he changes his last name to Flair and then he has the name. Then he has the name. Yeah, that's right. Think about it. Think about it. All right, let's get into this week's Wednesday Night Dynamite. Wednesday night dynamite St. Patrick's Day Slam March 17th 2021 from Daly's place in Jacksonville Florida uh overall 
this was, I mean, we mentioned it at the top of the show. This was a really good show uh, from start to finish. Uh, we'll talk about that slobber knocker of a main event a little bit later. But, uh, I mean, bell to bell, this was a great show. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, and I don't know if it was just because the, the show had this, it's one of those special shows with the fancy titles, um, there was just a different feeling about this one and, uh, you know, having more crowd and an actual authentic noise in the arena. It, it was just uh, a really good show. Yeah. The, uh, the growing live crowds that we're seeing with dynamite, when you compare it to, you know, the Thunderdome in vanilla with the pumped in crowd noise and impact with the pumped in crowd noise. AEW is quickly setting themselves apart, even though there's only a thousand, twelve hundred people in, in, you know, what's essentially like a five thousand seat amphitheater. You know what I mean? So it's making a difference. And man, did the crowd have a lot of stuff to react to this week? Oh yeah, we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> well, well, let's not waste any more time. Uh, the show begins with the newly formed, uh, yet unnamed at this point of the night, uh, faction led by MJF. We got Wardlow, Sean Spears, FTR, uh, Tully Blanchard arriving on a private jet of all things as they're all suited up, looking sharp, looking snazzy as they make their way to a limousine. Uh, I mean, this has four horsemen all written all over it. We've seen this image many, many times before. Um, you know, probably the earliest rendition being uh, being Evolution, uh, which featured Ric Flair. You know that they they used to roll up in in private jets and limos all the time. So I mean, this is a really cool image. Like I mentioned, nothing new, but it's new for AEW and. Uh, I'm super excited about this this faction, and we're going to hear from them a little bit later on the show. What did you think of this opening? It's just really good marketing. You know, we're, we're in this um, sort of era where the key demographic wants to relive their childhood memories. So True. this is, is just feeding into that. You know, we're just eating it up. Um, as long as they don't overdo it i i think it's it's going to be real cool make that connection and then go your own way right that's right. that's what's going to be important and like we'll talk about a little bit later when we when we hear from them and we get the name reveal i'm glad they're not four horsemen two or or whatever <laughs> i mean we saw yeah. we saw the the first rebirth of the four horsemen in the later days of WCW when it was Dean Malenko and uh, Chris Benoit along with Arn Anderson and Flair. Like it just it didn't have the same impact because you're outright saying the words four horsemen, but it's not. So they're making the connections. We have that in with Tully Blanchard, you know, and, and now let's go our own way in. We'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, the show starts off with a with a terrific match: the Lord of Lucha Libre against the Prince of Pro Wrestling, Penta El Cerro Miedo versus the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes. Great match, great way to start it off. Uh, you know, 
the beginning of the pandemic era, every show was starting off with a Cody match, and uh, we're getting back to that. No one starts a show off like like Cody. This was awesome. Yeah, um, I mean, this was just classic out of these two. It was a hard-hitting match, what you would expect out of, you know, these two big guys. And, um, you know, there's no, there's nothing to really highlight in this match. There wasn't any huge big moves or whatever. But what we get from this is just some, you know, we're really feeling the animosity between these two guys. And um, we kind of leave this match. Cody wins it, but we leave this match with this isn't really over, I don't think. Um this is going to continue. What what did you think about the ending? Yeah, I agree with you here. Uh, I don't think you go as far as naming Penta as the Lord of Lucha Libre if you're not going to kind of continue this feud, you know, going forward. Um, we had some, yeah, it was a hard hitting match. Uh, I just want to quickly mention before we get into the ending, Penta kept both both gloves on. When's the last time we seen him finish a match with both his gloves on? And that I know I was a good point. I've criticized Penta about going to the well one too many times. But I mean, with the pandemic, we haven't seen Penta a whole lot. <laughs> I kind of miss the uh, the peeling of the Velcro and stuff like that. It was, but anyways, yeah, let's get into the uh, the aftermath of this match. Um I thought it was interesting how they how they worked the ending of this match because Cody hits damn near every one of his finishers. He gets him in a figure four. Uh, we get that super kick lead into the Canadian Destroyer. We get a crossroads. We get a Cody cutter. Nothing's finishing off Penta. And then out of nowhere, you know, Penta hits one of his finishers. I can't remember which one it was. If it was... The package pile driver. I believe it was the package pile driver. And all of a sudden, Cody's rolling him up. One, two, three, steals the win. You know, like I it was really surprising when at the beginning of this match, if you asked me who's taking this, I probably would have went Penta, because that's kind of how Cody's stories usually go. But I like how they work this out where Penta immediately goes on the attack and, and starts beating up. Uh, Cody right away, right after the one, two, three, but everything that kind of happens after that, I think it was missed. It was misplayed. It wasn't worked properly. Uh, why don't you tell us about what happened after Penta attacks Cody? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. I think I even said while we were watching this, I'm like, wow, that didn't end the way that I, I thought it would. I, I thought Penta would have won that one. Um, yeah, we get the attack by Penta on Cody, and um, there's there's actually quite a bit of delay here. Yes. Uh, he's getting his arse handed to him, and we're thinking, okay, well, someone coming out for the save. And, and you know, Dustin's got his walker, and he's, you know, makes it to the <laughs> ring, and gun club, you know. Uh, I, I think uh, Austin might have tripped over the, the guardrail there. Uh, he finally makes it in. Um, Billy Gunn, I mean, he 20 was 20 minutes later. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why even come at this point? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, we got uh, Penta outside of the ring now, you know, wearing a, uh, 
a leprechaun's hat. It's St. Patrick's Day. He's partying outside with all of the the heels on the outside, taking pictures and all this stuff. And and then uh, he's he's about to head to the back, going through the face tunnel, which is the start of the oddness. And then QT's walking out like you know, he was actually going to catering and, uh, you know, went through the wrong door and he's wondering what's going on. <laughs> he barely acknowledges Penta walking by him and it kind of ends with this arguing of like, well, where were you? And, you know, what's going on? And did you bring me a sandwich? Did you actually make it to catering? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. Like this whole ending was just... It was just weird. Like, so I'm interested to hear, like, did you, was it just the timing or was it just maybe the poor selling of what was going on here? I'm glad I let you explain that. That was perfect. That was a perfect analysis of the <laughs> events that happened. Um, no, it was definitely a timing thing. You know, when we were watching this live together, and I mean, we've made this, we've made these comments before of the nightmare factor or the nightmare family. Are they a faction? Are they not? We keep hearing, you know, gun club is nightmare family. Lee Johnson is nightmare family. Um, who are the two new, new signings to Nick Camarado is, is nightmare family. And when Cody's getting beat up here, I make the comment, it's like, oh, man, you know, if only Cody had a faction to come out and back him up because we never see them all together. And, you know, one beat, two beat, three beat, four beat, 16 beats later of the show, finally Dustin comes out to the ring. Finally, the gun club makes it over the railing. You know, I understand that Penton needs to get his licks in, but it was way too long. It was way too long for those guys to get out there. Um, like Arn Anderson was out there already, and he barely made it into the ring with any time to, you know, to save Cody's. So it was definitely a timing thing. And then, I mean, obviously QT is going to be the one coming out late, you know, because this is the story that we're seeing all through Dark, uh, End of Revolution, or, or the middle of the casino battle royale uh with at revolution and and darks following qt's got this story where he's got one foot in nightmare family and one foot out and we're not sure what's going on that i all get i just think they needed to speed things up a bit like i said it was it was way too long until we got to see that so it made everything really really awkward from there, we we go backstage with Alex Marvez uh, interviewing the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks. Um, did they even get started talking about anything? And it, almost immediately interrupted by Don Callis. Um, and this is this is the spot where I kind of mentioned during Impact this week. We get to I basically hear the exact same promo out of Don Callis that he said to Rich Swan, we get to hear from the Young Bucks. There is a lot of doubt being placed into the minds of the Young Bucks. You know, you let your dad get hurt. You know, you're upset that Kenny's not behind you guys anymore, but the truth, the truths you have to face is that you're not elite anymore. Can you even look in the mirror? And it was that term, look in the mirror. He said the exact same thing to Rich Swan. When you wake up in the morning, 
and you look in the mirror, can you really say your wife's proud of you or something like that? It was along those lines. It says the exact same thing to the Young Bucks. So not that it's bad because it was great on Impact. It was a little bit more polished here on Dynamite, to be honest, but it was the same promo. I literally listened to two nights in a row. What What are your thoughts on Don Callis and all this? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not the first time that we've seen Definitely. the you know the promo the second the second time on Dynamite. Um, I guess if it if it's working, uh, keep using it. True. Um, I didn't see impact, so th- I wasn't too too bothered by by this at all. Um, but yeah, it does seem kind of funny that you would you would use the exact same thing to to uh try to get one over here on on the the young bucks but i mean the funniest part of this whole segment for me was the the shot at vanilla did you did you catch this one and what what did you think about it uh man i i i it, it glanced my eyes it glanced across i saw the t-shirt come up uh you know, you don't really get to see it too off, uh, too clearly, but I mean, you get to see it. Do not leg slap while when kicking. Um, I thought it was a great little, just a little dig at, at the whole uh, no leg slapping drama coming out of uh, Vanilla Brand. But I mean, <laughs> it's funny. I have to mention, uh, I'm cooking, I'm cooking supper last night, and Heather you know, was coming up the stairs with some drinks and stuff like that. And I always like the teaser with the, you know, with a faux super kick. And she's like, Hey, you're not supposed to be slapping your legs. And I'm like, what? How do you even <laughs> know about that? I mean, I had mentioned it in, in our blurb for last week's podcast episode, I guess. And she read it, but I mean, it, it I was taken aback. I'm like, how are you up to date on the wrestling business, baby? <laughs> yeah. It got me off. How guard. about our wives? Because, uh, yeah. I got one for you. I got one for you later. Uh, from All from right. my end, <laughs> okay, sounds good. But yeah, no, it was a good dig at, at the villain at the vanilla brand, and uh, I mean they're keeping it light. They're trying to have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. All right, this leads into our next matchup of the night. We got Jade Cargill getting her second opportunity on Dynamite, going up against uh, one of my personal favorites, Danny Jordan. Uh, squash match. This was uh, over in the blink of an eye. Um, they are really setting up jade to be a powerhouse which i like um there were some concerning things that i saw during this match to to be brutally honest with jade um she damn near almost breaks danny jordan's neck on that uh on that release german suplex but it's making her look powerful you know as long as danny jordan's okay and, and every everything's good with me so uh this was really this is really impactful appearance by Jade Cargill. I, I like it. Yeah, I, I'm like I'm just wondering is does she maybe not realize how strong she is? Maybe maybe she's used to training with men, and then and then you get a smaller person like Danny Jordan, and you you chuck them across the ring, and um, yeah, that that is a bit concerning. We definitely don't want this uh this personality this this athlete to 
to kind of go to the way as you know some of the wrestlers have where where they're deemed this dangerous wrestler and no one wants to work with them uh we really want the best for jade so hopefully that can get worked out uh but yeah it's it's super exciting where this is heading and i thought for a, a second match this was a, a really great job by jade and i mean i'm a i'm a danny jordan fan as well it's it sucks to see her be pummeled <laughs> every single match. Right. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully we see her, 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 her wrestling and her gimmick too be uh, highlighted in in AEW. I think Danny Jordan's time is 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 coming. It, it's there. She's got the talent. Um, I like at the end of this match, uh, Jade. I mean, essentially, our criticisms of her match uh, in her debut in that uh, mixed tag match with Velvet, uh, Shaq, and uh, Cody, where, you know, she spent a little too much time showboating. It still needs to be there, but not so much. I think she took that. She she listened to the show. She did do the show-off thing, but it was right back to business. She didn't really hold the match up by any means. Gets the one, two, three, immediately rolls out of the ring and and confronts Red Velvet, who's watching on the babyface side of the crowd. I thought this was a cool interaction. Red Velvet played it perfectly, gets the swing in. You know, Jade telegraphs it and, and just laughs. There's a, a wee bit of a of a pull apart there. And uh, I mean, this is this is the feud going forward. Like I'm totally expecting you know, closer to double or nothing that these two are going to go at it in another big match and another big singles match. Yeah. I mean, if you have one criticism for this match, it's this ending part and it's just, it's unrealistic that Bryce Remsburg could hold back Jade Cargill. And the <laughs> fact that that happened just, it's just, it's not real. It's just not real. Yeah. yeah. Jade would totally just, hand on the forehead and hold him back as she slaps around red velvet. You know, it was never going to happen. That's right, true. Right. Love it. Love it. Uh, from there, we get to hear from the newly formed yet unnamed, uh, faction. MJF comes out to the ring, uh, surrounded by his crew. Again, Tully Blanchard, Sean Spears, Wardlow and FTR. Um, this was, this was a little drawn out. But I think there was a lot of important elements to it that it kind of needed to be a little bit longer. If they would have rushed this, it might have hurt the faction in the long run. Um, So spending a little bit more time. I mean, by the end of this, I was just like, all right, we get it. You guys are badass and, and all this stuff. But I think it needed to be that. Essentially, the promo is just introducing everybody and introducing us to the new faction. Um, this really, this segment really takes off once MJF gets the mic and, and, and starts doing that as he kind of comes up with everybody's nickname, you know, some nicknames we've heard before and, and some new ones. What did you think of uh, this whole segment as a whole? I, I agree with what you said. It's drawn out. Uh, my first reaction to that is, when isn't an MJF promo not <laughs> strung out? But um, the, the boy loves to talk. Um, I, I thought the segment was good. I mean, there needs to be an introduction. 
I was really looking for like kind of an announcement and a, and a faction name here. And we really don't quite get it. I'm sure you'll comment on that. The nicknames were interesting. The, uh, the one that, you know, I, you, you kind of popped in a negative way was this SS. Um, you know, we, we couldn't do something better with the word spears here. I, I, right. <laughs> I think that could have been done a little bit better, but, uh, you know, Dax, the ax, that's, uh, that's gold. <laughs> right Cash there. money and Dax, the ax. I love it. I love it. I want to buy that shirt. Yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, I think the only thing that's really odd for me here, and I'm not sure you would maybe feel the same way, is you have this this guy, MGF. He's, you know, only been in the business X amount of years. He's young. He's green. And then you have all these guys behind them that have, you know, combined 50 years of experience, if not more. It just seemed a bit odd to me. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'd be interested to to think or hear what you think about about that. Uh, I never really thought of it that way, but now that you mention it, I can kind of see where you're coming from. If if my memory, well, I can't really say memory because this happened all before I was born. But if my knowledge serves me right, if you want to do a a stark comparison between new faction and original four horsemen rick flair was very new to the business at the formation of the four horsemen in the late 70s early 80s he was kind of the green guy ole and arn had been wrestling for you know 10 years at that point um tully blanchard had been in the business for you know almost 10 years at that point Ric Flair was only, you know, five, four or five years in the business at that point. So, I mean, the parallels are there. I just think, I don't think there's anybody else in, within the AEW ranks with the experience and the brand power, I guess you could say, the cockiness to pull that off. I think MJF is the perfect fit when it all comes down to it experience or not right right but i mean let's talk about these nicknames like you mentioned ss i just he 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 doesn't say ss he says double s and i mean we 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 liked the connection that you made to the original four horsemen showing up in the private jet and going into the into the limo but i mean you don't have to start ripping off nicknames i mean we already had double a arn anderson we don't need double S Sean Spears. Just right. call him the chairman. It's way more badass. It's already established. We don't need SS. That's my that's my criticism. You know what I mean? But cash money, Dax, the axe, man, that's gold. Can't wait for that t-shirt to come out. That's awesome. Uh when you mentioned the faction name not quite being announced. It's just a sentence that MJF kind of just kind of spits out. It's very quick. It's not formal, like you mentioned. And that's the pinnacle. We are the pinnacle of this business, of this company. And it, it's very innocent. I mean, that could mean anything. And after the segment was done, 
I even said to you, you know, kind of asked you confusingly. I'm like, so is that the name? Is that the name we're getting? The Pinnacle? If it is, I'm all on board. That's a cool name. But yeah, you're, you're right where there was a lack of that emphasis on the Pinnacle being the new name. And it's not until damn near the end of the show when it's kind of officially announced. Yeah, I mean, it's a great assumption because he mentions it, you know, at least three times in that segment and emphasizes it. And, um, you know, if we watch it again, he he probably uses the word, we are the pinnacle. Yeah. So maybe it's announcing it without announcing it. But we're, I mean, we're left really unsure if this is real or not. Well, it's, it's, he definitely says we are the pinnacle, but it's, it was more like we are the pinnacle of this business. It's not, we are the pinnacle of this business. You know what I mean? Like, that there's just, there was no emphasis in the way he said it. So it was kind of left ambiguously. I learned how to say that word from last week, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> were you, were you shocked? There was no shape involved in, in <laughs> the name of this faction i'm just yeah i'm just happy there was no geometrical uh <laughs> geometrical geometrical yeah. yeah i mean potato potato come on now yeah no i, I got you i got you. uh so yes the pinnacle the pinnacle they're coming after the inner circle i mean that that was kind of the b the b side to this whole this whole segment was the inner circle used to be the baddest, you know, baddest men in, in the company, but now we are. So, yeah, I can't wait. I, I love I love these guys together. You know, the, the main four being MJF, FTR, Sean Spears. You got the kind of the enforcer, the insurance policy, as, as MJF says, in, in the war, the war dog Wardlow. And I'm just going to throw it out right now. Tully's not going to last long in this situation. I think I think he's out of place and I think with MJF's character it would be in his in his mindset to trim away the dead weight in the old guy and you know as much as it'll hurt FTR and as much as it'll hurt Sean Spears I think they'll understand that maybe Tully is holding everybody back in a way. I think that's the way the story is going to go. It's going to be kind of one of those B stories like, like MGF and Sammy, you know what I mean? Who, who's going to be yeah. the one leaving? I think it's going to be a little bit more in, in our faces this time around, but Tully will not be a part of the pinnacle for long. I feel right. I, 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 I thought the same thing. And the, as far as I got with, you know, story was, I just hope they don't repeat the same story they did in Inner Circle where it's True. this, you know, kind of doing it behind his back and, you know, the whole recording of conversations because we've seen and we've criticized AEW for repeating themselves. So, True. I mean, I feel it's going to go that way, but let's not. Let's, let's think of something different to, to do for that storyline. It needs to be more direct and out of nowhere. 
So, you know, things are all dandy and rosy, but maybe when we get, when we get a blow off, say double or nothing, you know, that's only a couple months away. This is feasible. We get, perhaps there is a blood and guts. Maybe this is the time we get to do the blood and guts match and it's inner circle versus the pinnacle. Tully tries to get involved, co costs the match. And then, you know, next week on Dynamite, the ties are cut. It needs to be more direct and in your face and almost out of nowhere. Not this slow yeah. build that we saw with the Inner Absolutely. Circle. And then Arn Anderson and the Nightmare family come in for the save. And now Tully is part of the Nightmare family. Oh, jeez. And then we see FTR versus Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard for the belts. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wouldn't Anyways. go that far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We talked about the pinnacle for about 20 minutes. There's so let's keep the show rolling. Let's get into the next matchup of the night. Uh, this was um, five, five, ten men, ten man tag match. Jurassic Express and Bear Country going up against Matt Hardy, Private Party, and Butcher and the Blade. Um, I, I watched. I watched Dynamite four times this week because it was that good of a show. I do not remember a damn thing of this show. I barely watched it while we watched it live, and I kept skipping over it every subsequent uh, viewing I, I took this week. Um, it was very, it was very evident at the start of this match that this was going to be one of those quintessential multi-man tag matches that I just absolutely hate. There was chaos off the beginning. There was no real story behind why these two teams were even wrestling. You know what I mean? So I was just totally uninvested with this match. Um, what do you have to say about it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's not spend a lot of time on this. Uh, like the the only thing we really get out of this, I watched it for a second time. And what I noticed watching it the second time is that the story they're trying to tell here is that Jurassic Express and Bear Country don't work together. They're okay. they're arguing the entire match. They're interrupting one another. It almost seemed like I was getting the sense like, you know, Luchasaurus was very much like, you know, we're the veterans and you guys are like, you know, kind of screwing You're us up dark here. Wrestlers. And yeah. And um and then they end up losing, and then the match ends with Bear Country and Jurassic Express outside of the ring still arguing over what went on. So I can only imagine we're going to see Bear Country, Jurassic Express, maybe in a match on Dynamite next week or or maybe just a dark match. But, you know, maybe Bear Country is getting their push now. This is what this whole match is about. And um, But, yeah, other than that, it was just a... It's just one of those matches to to get these guys on TV. Right. It, it was not a good match. All right. Well, let's keep uh, the show rolling. Uh, we go backstage with Dasha. She interviews the newly signed Christian Cage. We're finally going to get to hear from Christian. Uh, she just straight out asks the question, you know, why are you here in AEW? And, um, you know, Christian... Very, very, very Christian. I mean, I love hearing this guy on the microphone. He was one of the most um, underrated 
Mike artists, if you will, you know, cause he kind of came up in the time of, you know, the rock and, and Austin and, you know, all these, you know, even the tail end of, um, you know, uh, of his career in WWE going up against the likes of John Cena and, and you know, the Dr. Thug, Thugonomics and stuff like that. So I always enjoyed Christian on the mic and we got to see that he's very precise and, uh, and articulate in what he says and how he says it. And he's got a great cadence to, to how he talks. Uh, so, you know, he just basically explains like, you know, this whole situation with Kenny, you know, he took my time. I felt obligated to, you know, come out there and introduce myself. I think is how he puts it. And, uh, and then, you know, essentially to answer your question, why am I here in AEW? I'm here for that AEW world championship. I understand I got to get some wins and I got to work my way there. I'm not here to, to use my name power to get, be given anything. So that's really cool to hear that he's, he's actually going to work and, you know, he's not one of these part-timers coming in. So great things here from uh Christian cage. What did you think of uh, what he had to say? Yeah, I, I hadn't uh, seen Christian cage do any work in, in a, in a long, long time. Uh, that, that I can even remember. So it's, it's just great to even see him. You're totally right about underrated on the mic, uh, you know, being overshadowed in an era where you, you yelled into the microphone, right? Good like point. the rock, the, uh, stone cold, even, um, John Cena, you know, it's yelling into the mic to, to get your point across where he's very, uh, He's Jake he's a, Roberts. You know, he talks quieter. He's, he's Jake, Jake Roberts. He's Jake yeah, the Snake, yeah. baby. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... it's I, I can't wait to see his first match. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, this leads us into a quick promo with um, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. This was, um, this was a mess of a promo, I feel. It wasn't... It didn't have the... Um, uh what's the word um the the charm that the uh the fireside promo had it was just very evident that these guys are really going off the cuff here and it's just maybe not working a little bit but it was still entertaining i mean i was still laughing at some of their their jokes and stuff like that but it got off the rails I, I think you you're saying it exactly right. It, it they are not putting any thought into this. It's just they throw them on. We'll figure something out. I'm Eddie Kingston, man. I'm I'm the the king of the mic, and <laughs> it's actually making them look bad when he, when he they're interrupting each other and yeah, it, it just it it's not it didn't go it didn't go this time. But yeah, it just didn't. Go. Let's not. Uh, <laughs> Let's let's not let's not crap on them too bad. Uh, it'll get better. I'm it sure. will get better. They're two of the best in in the backstage promo, you know, business or whatever. So they'll they'll, they'll reel it back in for sure. Did we find out if Bullet Club is 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 it legal to say or not? <laughs> I don't think we got a we got an exact answer, but I mean, Moxley said it best. The forbidden door is open. I mean, I I don't think it matters anymore. 
I haven't heard right. anything from uh, Tama Tonga lately on Twitter. His Twitter's been pretty quiet when it comes to this. Uh, I I feel like it's okay, but okay. I think that's a story yet to be told. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it's on the it's on the back burner. It's on the back burner. This leads us right into the tag team match: uh, Moxley and Kingston versus the Good Brothers. Um. This was a really decent match. Uh, pretty standard for these four guys, hard hitting. Uh, it was, you know, a kind of, I don't want to say uh, a traditional tag team match, but I mean, it was as close to an old school WWF tag team match that we've seen in, in, in the modern era in a really long time. You know, there was the interrupt right at the start. You know, Kingston jumped right off the bat. Moxley comes in for the save. Once the match finally starts, Kingston is in this match for 75% of the time, maybe even 80% before that hot tag finally comes in. Moxley's fired up. And, you know, it was it was just very traditional in that way where the Good Brothers tagging, controlling, keeping Kingston away from Moxley. I thought it was great. Yeah, your your uh, description there is spot on. Like an old old school WWF match. Uh, it's a you know the Heart Foundation uh, versus the other team. <laughs> I can't even think of what, but like Road Warriors um, or something. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, you know even the ending of this is like old school as well, where, where it finishes with this, you know, inside cradle to wraps them up. You know, there was no huge big spot at the end. John Moxley stole this, yeah. you know, uh, and the visual of it where he's, he's basically his entire upper body is bandaged. He's a, he looks like a, a mummy at Halloween uh, coming <laughs> out here. So, um, yeah, no, I, this was a very good match, even though what, like, you know, there's no spots to really go, oh my God, here. Um, just a, just a very good uh, tag team match. Yeah. Did we even get a finisher from either team? I mean, we got that half-assed magic killer to the outside where, you know, Gallows didn't even take the bump. He kind of just rolled Moxley off his shoulders. So, you know, no paradigm shift. There was no bulldog choke. There was no magic killer. You know, this was just letting the wrestling tell the story. I thought it was really great. And I like that they went with the steel win as Moxley gets the kind of surprise roll up because then this leads to Bullet Club jumping on the both of them, taking, you know, it's kind of the visual upper hand, I guess you can say. Moxley and Kingston get the win, but... You know, the Good Brothers are, are getting the last laugh kind of thing. Um, you could argue we already saw this tonight with um, uh, with the uh, Penta situation on Cody. But, I mean, it's wrestling. There's only so many ways you can do things. So I'm okay with that. Um, out comes Kenny strolling along being, uh, uh, I think he tweeted it, out, uh, tweeted it out with a gif of him doing his little strut. He's just just a cool guy doing cool guy things. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked, I liked the question that you asked me while kind of the, the first half of this, this 
kind of after the match segment was happening, you know, was, was the cleaner like this in new Japan? Is this what the cleaner character is? Because, you know, at the start of this whole, you know, full gear, Kenny winning the championship, the cleaner is finally here. That's kind of the way we were looking at it. And then you asked me this question. I'm like, no, this, this isn't the cleaner. You know, the cleaner was very much a serious, uh, character. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I get that he's trying to do something maybe a little different, maybe a little bit more in tune with his personality. Uh, but at the the first half of this segment, it doesn't come off very good. I, I didn't really enjoy the, the goofiness that Kenny was showing in this, but once the young bucks come out and that mood changes, now I'm back on board. That's the Kenny Omega cleaner, you know, we're yet to see it, but the collector, that's what I want to see. What did you think of uh, the post-match shenanigans? Yeah, I mean, I saw exactly the way that you're seeing it. And and, and hearing you describe it to me, I, I'm wondering if this is on purpose. So bear with me. This is, you know, Damien thinking out of the box. You can tell me if it's trash or not, but... Too many times we see where these heel characters get so over that they become face. And I'm wondering if this is a mechanism for avoiding that. We we are hating Kenny Omega more because he's just this this absolute goof. He's not the cool guy that you know we want to cheer for. We like we dislike him because of this sort of immature way he's acting so i don't know how much merit that has but i i just wonder if it's is is that the brilliance of kenny omega or or maybe don Callis to say hey you know you did this in new japan but it was almost too over and we don't want you to get to that stone cold status to to, to sort of use that as an example where you know you, we we kind of have to put your face because just everybody is behind you and we can't make an actual face do what they're supposed to do. I don't know. How plausible do you think that is? I think that's very plausible. I think that's some really good points to bring up. Um, you look at NWO and their formation. You get the, the ultimate baby face of all time, Hulk Hogan, doing some dastardly things, but it's still Hulk Hogan and it wasn't, but three, four months after Bash at the Beach 96, NWO was the coolest thing since sliced bread. And they were the most over thing since sliced bread. They were the heels. They were still doing, you know, the dastardly things and, and being, you know, morons and stuff like that. But it was just too cool for school and you couldn't help but cheer for them. Stone Cold, very similar. Uh, you know, even even Hollywood Rock. Actually, no, Hollywood Rock is kind of the good comparison to what Kenny's doing because Hollywood Rock was kind of so goofily over the top, especially when his feud was with, you know, Shane Helms, the Hurricane, you know, that you couldn't help but just hate the guy because, you know, like, I, do, I don't want to watch this. So I think you do have some merit in what you're saying to get the negative reactions that he is, that Kenny is supposed to get as a heel. They almost need to make it unwatchable. 
so that when he does proper heel things and it's more of a serious nature or more of an intentional nature that they get the reactions that they're supposed to get. I think you nailed it. Right. Right. Yeah. I would love to hear, uh, you know, a, a behind, behind Close the rings. Yeah. yeah. To see if that was really what it was about, because if it is again, to me, that just shows the brilliance of Omega and, and the creative, uh, people around him right uh mike penner if, if you're listening to the podcast give your give your good buddy kenny a call and and, and ask that question for us because i mean we don't have the <laughs> yeah, contacts like to know. you do <laughs> <laughs> shout out to mike angels uh all right this leads us into uh tony shivani uh coming out to the to the ramp i mean we saw this four times last week why not why not another time this week right he's gonna interview sting and darby allen um my only criticism is that he doesn't talk to sting sting doesn't say a freaking word this whole time um i'm i'm getting i'm getting sick of it i'm getting like i'm over it I think you said it a couple weeks ago. Is is Sting just out there so that he's out there? You know what I mean? Are are people let's throw Sting on because you know people might be mad if they don't get to see Sting on Dynamite. I think we're past that point. We get it. Sting's part of AEW. He had one of the greatest, you know, street fight matches that has ever happened. You know, it was definitely the best cinematic match we've ever seen. We talked about it in our review last week. Let's start treating Sting like he's not a legend and he's just another guy on the roster because I think that comes across better than treating him like the legend that we all know he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did talk about this uh, either last week or the the week before that, and I had brought up that on on social media that people are are getting sick of of seeing sting and it just seems to be a segment with sting because it's sting. Um, but, um, you know, sting ends up playing a part in this. We shouldn't forget, even though he doesn't say one word the entire time. So, um, yeah. Uh, Darby Allen grabs the mic out of Shivani's hand again. Proving your point where he's always out there for absolutely no reason. Darby could have carried his own microphone out to the ramp. Um, this could have been Darby a backstage. This could have been a backstage. Yeah, even that too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we get the interrupt from Lance Archer and Jake the Snake Roberts again. It's the same sort of idea about, you know, why are these guys getting time and and, and whatnot. Uh, but it's actually Jake that does the talking this time. What did you think about uh, Jake's little promo here? Um, poor choice of words. I mean, go back to the locker room and get in your bun because you're just a little weenie. Like, I mean, what are are you in middle school, Jake? <laughs> Figure it out. You could have you could have said something a little bit cooler than that, but whatever. It is what it is. Um, I'm liking this Lance Archer kind of interrupting. It's unfortunate that they did it, uh, to sting twice. 
you know, last week it was Sting, this week it's Sting and Darby. I think it's it's becoming too obvious that it's going to be Archer Sting. You know, at some point in the future, that's kind of Sting's next move. Um, I think I like this character, uh, this kind of character shift that Lance Archer showing as he comes out and interrupting people during their promos. You know, why are you getting this time? This should be my time. I should have all the time. I like that. But spread it out. Start doing it to everybody. You were kicking everybody's ass. It didn't matter who was in the match with you. You were coming out dragging somebody from dark. You know, it didn't matter. And I think that's something that needs to follow through when it comes to this interrupting. It shouldn't matter who it is. Do it to Kenny. See how, let's see how Kenny and Don react. Maybe you can't do it to Kenny, but you know what I mean? Like it shouldn't matter who's on the mic at that time. Let's interrupt them and, and raise some hell. And then Jake, just choose your words better. Come on. You're better than that. I, I really felt like Jake was really trying not to swear during this promo. <laughs> like, Good he point. Just Good point. Couldn't think of something. I, does he say arse at one point? I, I don't know. There was something he said. I'm like, he wanted to swear there. He yeah. wanted to swear. <laughs> That's funny. I never caught that, but maybe I'll have to go back and watch it a fifth time. And then we get the double interrupt. What's up with that? I mean. Have you seen this before? No, I haven't. This was this was kind of a swerve. Let's be honest. Um, the beginning of this promo Darby even says, like, now that we're done with Team Taz, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, cue Team Taz as they come out, and Taz is about to go on one of his bitchy rampages that he likes to do. Um, but Cage, Brian Cage, grabs the microphone and says, you're not talking for me this time. And um, you got to think about that for a second. You're not going to talk for me this time. I think that's a powerful statement, but he goes on to cut what I can only, what I can only describe as kind of a baby face promo. As he says, you know, we went toe to toe in the greatest street fight of all time. You know, you are a legend. I respect you. And then he calls out Ricky, you know, Ricky Starks was wrong with or without your bat. You are the icon and Ricky loses his shit. And <laughs> are you on dope? <laughs> oh my God. I, I didn't catch it the first time I was, I was doing homework while we were watching it live. But when I watched it back the second time, Ricky Starks just, are you on dope? Are you smoking crack? Like he was, I don't know. He was going off. I loved it. Um, Cage pushing his way through team Taz and, and, and kind of leaves without them. And, and Taz is kind of left there shrugging his shoulders. I'm interested to see where this goes. I like it. Yeah. And, and the, the only thing, and I commented this as it went on is it's just like, Ben has business ever picked up in AW because we, it was kind of stayed the course for the longest time. And now we have, you know, everyone's breaking up and everyone's feuding with everyone. And it, there's just a, a lot going on right now. So, um, yeah, we're kind of getting this, I guess you could almost call it a, um, 
you know, changing, uh, changing the face here, like changing the, I can't find my words, but you know, what <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're changing course. Yeah. The, the ship's going in a different direction and it, it's good to see. It, it is really good to see. All right, this leads us into our next matchup of the night. This was, um, we mentioned this matchup a little bit earlier as it involves Angelico going one-on-one with Ray Phoenix. Um, I found it weird that Ray Phoenix was getting two dynamite matches, you know, in in a row like this. But um, I wonder, I mean, we talked about it earlier, this thing with Jack Evans, did they need something just to kind of fill in the void and, and, Phoenix was there at the tapings and, and was available and let, let's let these guys have a quick little six minute match. And, um, you know, I'm sure it'll be good. These are two great competitors. It was a very decent match. It was just kind of out of place when it comes to the show as a, as a whole. Um, and then like we said, Jack Evans, not out there with, uh, and Helico, we saw Pac pack out there and you even mentioned like, where's Jack? So I don't know the whole, this whole little segment was kind of out of place. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen this from time to time when odd things happen in AEW, right? We get this, this match that doesn't seem to make sense, kind of doesn't seem to fit with what's going on, but I think it's a good pairing. These two have a very kind of similar, style in a sense they they have a same sort of look um when when i saw this was going to be a match i was i was quite interested in what this was going to turn out to be it uh i'm sure was not a you know five star match of the year contender uh but uh you know it did showcase angelico um we we got to see what it's like you know, with him in a match against a, a high-profile guy, and, and I thought he did really well. He didn't look out of place, that's for sure. And commentary yeah, no. did a really good job of gassing and Helico up. You know, like Jr. was just like, you know, he has the perfect body for that submission style. He's long, he's lanky, and then we get to see that correspond with with how the match kind of rolls out. So, nothing to write home about. But this was a really solid match. I suggest everybody go go check it out. Like it was it was a good match. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, from here we go backstage. Alex Marvez uh, interrupting Miro doing some chin ups. Uh, just basically, I guess this is kind of trying to put it in our minds that this is the first time Miro is hearing of this challenge that we got last week from uh Chucky e. T and uh Orange Cassidy basically asks like are you going to accept uh you know this challenge Miro cuts a very um uh I I don't even know how to describe how how Miro's side of this uh this this promo was if that's what you want to call it or his answer to it is he not accepting this matchup? Is he just not accepting Chucky T's, you know, bet that he'll be his butler forever? You know, what what, what was your take on uh, how Miro kind of answered this question? 
Well, it was very nonchalant at the beginning, and um, I like that. I mean, it was very kind of cool and, and laid back. And how I took this is uh, he's kind of done. Like, he's kind of bored of this. He There's, you know, bigger and better things to do with his time here in AEW than to, to kind of deal with these guys. Um, that gets into the ear of Kip. He must have been off camera here, and Kip's like, well, you know, what are you saying? Like, you know, we, we have to uh, avenge the the wedding we have to avenge you know his wife getting hurt and it was kind of you know Miro's fault and Miro kind of blasts back at saying well you know what your first mistake is that you're bringing your wife to your matches anyways and you know when the bell rings we should just be focused on on winning so um that's kind of how it was left there was no actual we accept the challenge from Miro but Alex, you know, asks, like, so what do you think, Kip? Like, are you accepting the match? And Kip says that they are. So who knows? Um, kind of seems like it's going to happen based on what Kip is saying. But Miro does not seem to um, care. Uh, even this, he even uses the term trying to entice Miro by... You know this uh i'll be your butler forever thing does it also does not interest him anymore right well yeah that's a that's a good analysis of everything what what i take out of this promo is the slight jab again to vanilla brand you know the the last thing you should do is bring your wife to ringside and who better to learn that lesson than you know rusev you know um, formerly right, known right. as so that was a, I, I liked that bit of it and and yeah if if this is Miro saying he doesn't want anything to do with this match but then Kip accepting it Miro's going to be forced into it that goes together with what we kind of mentioned in our prediction last week where you know Chucky e. T and Orange Cassidy are probably going to end up winning this match and Miro going to split ties with with Kip um, when it comes down to business, you know, as Miro says, I'm here to win. I don't care about you or your wife, but you know, outside of the bell, we're still buds. We're still going to play Warzone and get shit on by, uh, people because we suck at that game is basically, that's, that's <laughs> what I heard. That's what I, I yeah, I, it's in there. It's in there. <laughs> um, we didn't mention it, but during Darby Allen's uh, section of the previous segment, he basically, um, it was really cool how he kind of put it out there. Uh, he, he thinks it's a joke that he's only defended the title three times since he won it back in November. Um, he wants to pay tribute to the greatest TNT champion of all time. The crowd pops, the Brody chants start, and he looks dead in the camera and says, Dark Order, if you want this back, come and get it. That's an open challenge. Fast forward to this part of the show. Alex Marvez is, is in the back with, with all of Dark Order. Um, who's it going to be, guys? You know, Who's going to accept the challenge for the TNT title? Everybody puts their kind of hand up except for Silver and Reynolds. 
And, uh, well, I guess we should mention negative one was there too. And he's like, it's going to be me. I, I get a kick out of this kid. <laughs> he's so, yeah, he's so into it. And, and he's so good at it. Like, I mean, I haven't seen him really waver one time in any of the, the time he's been on the mic. Uh, he hits it every time. I mean, maybe they're doing it 40 different takes, but we don't see it. it it's absolute gold. Um, when this all went down, like real quickly here, when this all went down, we kind of had a bit of a discussion on whether negative one was going to be part of the show. And we thought maybe he would just be there at pay-per-views, you know, during maybe TNT championships. But um, we're seeing here, at least early on, that he's kind of been a regular on Dark and and um, and then he makes his appearances on, on Dynamite. So... Uh, really, really cool. And then the last thing I'll mention about this is um, a lot of controversy around Brody Lee still. A lot of, we'll call them fans, although maybe not so much, is I know really blaming AW for taking advantage of the Brody Lee name. Part yes. of that being negative one. And, um, and Brody's wife having to you know, kind of back it up. And I, I seen this really long post that she put on Instagram and, um, you know, if she's ever listening, you know, I, you don't have to explain yourself to any of these marks, any of these unintelligent 85 year old people, you're, you're doing the right thing. And, and, um, uh, I'm sure it's really helping negative one out with, with dealing with all this. So hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, that's Sorry, when tirade there. No, that that's cool. <laughs> I I'd totally forgotten about the uh, the marks out there trying to attack attack Amanda and and calling her a bad parent for letting her kid, her nine year old kid, getting involved with this shit. Um, this is this kid's dream. This is this kid's life. His dad was his hero. He gets to live out his dad's dream through AEW and AEW is allowing him to do as much or as little as he wants. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure school and, and life comes first when it comes to a nine year old kid, but you know, the way these shows are being taped and stuff like that, it's very feasible that he can be involved quite a bit. And we're seeing him involved quite a bit. I'm just getting more and more excited for when this kid is 19, 20 years old, like Uno mentions in, in this, in this segment, he is going to be so far along. It's going to, it's the exact same thing with Jack Perry, jungle boy. He got into the wrestling business at nine, 10, 11 years old. It was something he wanted to do. It was something he was super passionate about his dad. Let him do it. You know, when things got a little too real, they took him out of it. He was out of the business for, you know, 10 more years, turns 21. You know, I should really give this wrestling thing a shot now. Again, fast forward two, three years. He's, he's one of the biggest names on the roster. There is nothing negative about negative one, except his name. Everything he is doing is good. I love it. Anyways, back to the show. 
Uh, Alex Reynolds and Silver, they're not putting their hands up, but Alex speaks up and says, I think it should be John. John goes into John Silver mode and everybody gets pumped up behind him. I, I like this spot from, from Dark Order. It's really showing the unity that they have. Um, as everybody was kind of selfish and wanted to challenge for the belt, when John Silver gets nominated, they're all for it, all for one, one for all, whatever you want to say. So this is just a really cool moment. So we're going to, I think we're going to see that match next week on Dynamite. Uh, Silver versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship is going to be great. Uh, we go to another backstage moment. Uh, we get to see the newly formed, you know, yet to be officially named. We're still on the fence at this point in the show, but MJF uh, kind of, recalling what he says uh in the promo that you know we're we're not here just to take your spot we're here to take over and it's going to start with your locker room as there's a door says inner circle he peels that off he puts up the pinnacle banner it is official at this point the new faction is called the pinnacle as they open the door and they go to get comfortable in their new locker room love this spot it just enforces exactly what mjf said earlier in the night i like it yeah i mean it's really good imagery uh a, a really good way to you know announce the name without you know just putting it out there or having a video package already kind of queued up or whatever um yeah it, it was a really good way to to end this pinnacle introduction to to AEW. Uh, I like their their logo, you know, it's kind of the word pinnacle and there's there's some kind of like starburst or something, you know, like it's it looks like an explosion. Though I mean, from what I saw, it, the camera doesn't really focus in on it, but I'm looking forward to seeing that on a, on a T-shirt soon. Yeah, yeah. And then that leads us to the main event of the evening. And I cannot emphasize main event more um you guys were about we're about an hour and 20 minutes into this podcast we're gonna be another half hour for sure this was <laughs> one of the no you know what i'm saying it this was the greatest match ever on dynamite it was that good it was that important. i'm not arguing with you it was that important. And I mean, as as this as the 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 ladies are coming out in their entrances, I, I said to you, I'm like, this match has to be something special. You know, they're touting it as the first um main event, um, or sorry, the first unsanctioned match on dynamite. You know, we had the unsanctioned match at full gear in twenty nineteen. You know, this is the, going to be the first lights out unsanctioned match on Dynamite. Um, as far as I can remember, one of the first, there might have been one other um, women's match as the main event of Dynamite. You know what I mean? It doesn't happen often. God, it, I mean, one, maybe a Sheeta match might have been a main event of a Dynamite. I can't say for sure. But this is very important. And AEW has been criticized for their women's division. We have great competitors in the women's division. They're just not getting the love 
and, and the time that maybe these these ladies deserve. So that's where I pose the the statement. This is a very important match, and it has to be good. And holy shit, talk about over delivering. If I can say that, they went above and beyond. I watched this match four and a half times <laughs> as I <laughs> as I snuck in while you were watching it. Uh, you know, for a second or third time, I can't. I can't get enough of this match. It was that good. It was that good. What are your overall thoughts on the on the matchup and the importance of it? Well, let, let's start with the announcement that this was going to be the main event. And uh, if you've been, you know, watching this show and paying attention, uh, if anybody's been flying the women's division banner, it's been me. I almost say it every single show, and um, I was just really, really excited that we were we were getting a women's division main event here. It's uh, long overdue. We'll have to go back in the archives and see if there was an actual other women's division main event match. If there was, it only happened probably one time, and um, and I mean we got two of the you know, top contenders for, for the title, um, in this match. So, uh, it's important for really many reasons. It's important for kind of redeeming the women's division, uh, having, you know, let's be honest here. There, there has, there's been moments that have not been good in, in AEW. So it's important if, if we want to, to consider this a serious division then then this has to be this has to be good and then it's a light lights out match which this is no normal match and it, it can there's even more risk here of of making this look even even worse when it when it's this special kind of match so um if anybody was gonna pull it off i think it was gonna be Britt baker and and thunder rosa and um i was going to this match very excited also honestly a bit worried um just because of of how important this match was gonna be yeah those are all really good points um if there was ever two on the roster who were gonna be you know, you you can't help but compare the importance of this match to Lita, Trish Stratus, as they are the first two women to main event a Raw. Uh, to compare it to Bailey, Sasha Banks, main eventing NXT TakeOver. It had that feel. It had that... Um, st- I don't want to say stigma. The stigma is not the right word, but... This could make or break the women's division. And I like that you mentioned that because it's a specialty match, because it's a gimmicky match, the the performance could get lost in the gimmick. And I got to be honest, they nailed this perfectly. Throughout this match... The gimmick of the no of the non-sanctioned match was not lost in the story. And this is a story that we've been a part of for many, many months now. 
essentially ever since Thunder Rosa showed up with the NWA title. You know, ever since Thunder Rosa showed up, Britt Baker has felt that she was stepping in to her domain and, and taking her spotlight. And that's the story we heard. This was a fight for that spot. Uh, like Britt says, as the face of the women's division. You know, spoilers alert, we'll get right, we'll get into the details here. Thunder Rosa wins this match, but Britt Baker is still the face of this division. And it's a bloody face. <laughs> Britt yeah, Baker I mean... comes out of this match the real winner. No offense to Thunder Rosa. She deserves everything she get. I think I think the way the story went, it makes sense that Thunder Rosa comes out as the one, two, three here. But I mean, this is this is kind of a Mick Foley moment in Hell in a Cell as he gets thrown off the cell and then thrown through the cell, the tooth sticking out of the nose kind of moment. That's the moment Mick Foley went from this level to superstardom. And he's winning the the WWF championship at the time, you know, a few months later. That that's Britt Baker in this match. She puts her body on the line. Now she's not falling off of cages or anything like that, but we have never seen the women in any American uh type promotion. I've never seen a match like this with women involved. And, you know, like, I can't get enough of Britt Baker now. I've always been, we've always been a fan of Britt. We know the talent she has, but I mean, she is on another level after this. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we watched this for the third time and, and it was still like, it was the, the first time. Yes. You know, I, I kind of said, like, it, it really, really seems genuine how bad Britt Baker not only wants to be the, the face of the division or even the face of women's wrestling um, and, and, and to have, you know, AEW, you know, not just be, you know, Kenny Omega on the poster. It's going to be Britt Baker on the poster and women's wrestling is going to be not just an afterthought, but part of the conversation. And, uh, yeah, is th this is hopefully the beginning of that. And, um, I think more main events like this, I don't think it necessarily has to always be in a, you know, bloody mess. <laughs> Right. As, as we'll talk about here, but, um, you know, these, these types of dynamic matches and, and giving them, you know, 18 minutes, this match was, that's, that's huge. Whereas, you know, we've seen other matches be, you know, six to eight minutes. It's just not enough time for the fans to, to buy, to buy into this division. When we, when we're 10 years down the road and it's, it's 2029. Dynamite's been on the air for 10 years. And and they're going to do, you know, the top 100 moments of the decade of, you know, of AEW Dynamite. 
this is going to be in the top 10. I can't, I mean, we're very early in. We're only in the second year. There's going to be a lot of amazing moments, but if this match 10 years down the line, we're not still talking about, it's an absolute crime. This match is that good. And I'm saying it now, 2029, 10-year anniversary, top 100 moments. This match is going to be in the top 10, if not in the top five. Yeah. That's just yeah, the truth. I, I, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and Corvette, if, uh, Oh, don't even, if you haven't heard, I, I will send Miro on you so fast. <laughs> oh but yeah. Man. This was an absolute great match. I haven't heard what Corvette has to say, but he better choose his words wisely. If, uh, if he doesn't like it, there's, there's no, there's no hope for him. Yeah. I think for the sake of his career, he needs to gas this match up. He will be exposed if he doesn't like this match. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's get let's right get into, into it. Let's get into it. Uh, the, the, te- the atmosphere during the entrances is, is, is already, you know, it has that big fight feel. Um, Rosa gets in the match. She's ready to go. She's, you know, um, all fired up. And then we get the, uh, the inevitable. I mean, they, they got it right out of the way as Reba getting involved, uh, hitting Rosa with the, with the crutch and, uh, you know, Rosa doing Rosa things. Absolutely. No sells it. Chases her out of the ring, which leads to the upper hand, you know, going towards Britt Baker right off the beginning. I, I like I like how this match starts off. Yeah, I mean, Reba has to get involved. I'm glad they got it done really before the match started so that that wasn't really a factor. I, I think this really needed to be match between these two ladies and not really have that interference so i'm glad that they did it that way and um from there we we head right to the outside like it was almost immediate and uh, a lot of the beginning part of this match happens outside of the ring the this match as a whole is a tale of two stories there was before the commercial break and there was after the commercial break and before the commercial break is still a really solid match. Like you mentioned, we're all outside. Um, the chair, the chair gets involved almost immediately as uh, Thunder Rosa grabs one from under the ring, throws it in, in uh, Britt's face, gives her a couple shots to the gut, gets totally catches Reba off guard. I don't think, I think you even mentioned it. It didn't look like Reba was expecting to take a chair shot to, to the gut in that moment. She folded like a paper bag. Um, it, this match is brutal. They're not pulling any punches here. It looks like a fight, which is, again, very important. Something, you know, we don't see in the, you know, the everyday women's match. You know, we, we've criticized if these girls want to be taken seriously, they need to make it look more, you know, there's more intensity in it. And that's exactly what we got this first half of the match. Um, 
we go into the crowd and, you know, they're fighting on the cement. It's something we don't see every day. This is all brand new stuff when it comes to the women's division. First half of the match is already better than anything I've ever seen before. But after that commercial break, it, it, it actually, it, it, it starts just before the commercial break. It's that first curb stomp that Britt Baker does to, to Thunder Rosa on the, on the steps. That's when the switch hits and this match gets amped up, you know, a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a, a really huge chair shot from Rosa on the back of, of Baker that that to me was huge because it you don't see a lot of chair stuff and when you see it it's usually kind of it's kind of wussy is that is that is that okay to say you know i feel Uh, like this one was 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 you know all power you heard it really loud in, in the mics and you got like the perfect sell from baker man i i'm sure it hurt like i'm sure there was some pain there but uh, you know she did uh, the perfect sell and then as you said we get this we get this curb stomp on the stairs and um really well done and then what we also get out of this is thunder rosa's is showing color now not common to see color in a in a women's match we have seen it but it's usually you know, by an accident, Yeah, (laughs) you know, it's not really meant to happen. Um, so like I, I, for me personally, I'm like, this just got real, you know, if they're, if they're blading, like this just got real. I, I think it's a very important spot is that curb stomp. Like I said, that's the, that's the moment things go, go up a bit. Um, while Thunder Rosa is, is doing the, is doing the job. Uh, if you will, uh, we get a great distraction by Baker and Reba as they start filling the ring with some chairs. Um, like this whole match was was thought and laid out. I would love to know who the agent was in this match because it's a very subtle thing, but it's very important to the flow of the match and and allowing Thunder Rosa to to be able to show that color is is like let's get the camera on Baker she's doing Baker things talking to the camera let's fill the ring in with the chairs as we get set up for the next spot things kind of cool down a little bit during the commercial break it's just kind of some regular wrestling now if you guys are watching on Fight TV and you're in you're kind of you're not exposed to the commercials or even um if you're watching on tnt we're we're watching picture in picture everything looks pretty innocent you know it's just kind of the regular match going on but then we come out of that commercial break and like i said the tale of two stories we come out of that commercial break right into this superplex onto the pile of chairs like we don't even see superplexes that often from the women. Never mind onto a pile of chairs. It was that like again, I'm still doing homework while we're watching this on Wednesday. <laughs> this spot hits, it catches my eye. I never touched my keyboard for the rest of the match. And like I said, it's you know, four more viewings after that. 
this is huge. This is a huge spot. And frick, like every time I like I'm curling my back just thinking about them landing on that pile of chairs. Huge. Absolutely huge spot. Yeah, and this is this is Baker is the one doing the superplex on Rosa. And here here's kind of the 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 start of the um the legacy now i feel is this move right here because i think baker takes the worst of this one she she gives the move but she's the one that really lands on these chairs the the hardest and it's just one of those moments it was just like wow respect like that that is a, a big move it's a scary move um like I'm sure there's even men that that will not do this move. So, yeah, 100%. just total props there. Uh, as the match rolls on, um, Reba bringing a ladder into the situation. Uh, you know we're every, everybody's taking everything. Like I, I really feel like there wasn't there wasn't one gimmick within the match that both girls didn't take i guess is what i'm trying to say thunder rosa takes the kind of the reverse uh russian leg sweep into the stair or into the ladder um she gets control of the match she props up uh brett baker in the corner and kind of does this running you know shotgun drop kick if you will and this is where brit gets busted open and we had a we had a discussion while we were watching this. What was did she blade? Did she actually, you know, is is that actual blood? To me, it looked like in my first viewing while we were watching it live on Wednesday. I'm like, I think that's blood packets. It's so thick. It's coming down. Da- it's coming down so thick, and it's very very bright. It was a very very bright red. I've changed my stance. Like in the, in the three extra times that I've watched this match, like that's, that's blood. Like she is bleeding for real and mad respect, mad respect for Brit, man. What'd you think of yeah, the bladder? So what, so what changed it? Did, was it because like it, initially there wasn't as much and then as it kept going on, there was like more and more. Is that what yes. it was? Yes. That's what it was. It okay. just, it just kept coming out. Now is that, you know, she's I, I, Brit's probably never bladed before. She's a doctor, however, you know, so, so I'm sure she's not scared to get in there. And maybe she just got in there a little too much. I don't know. But she like this was this was comparable to Dustin at double or nothing, <laughs> you know, 2019. Like she was she was bleeding. Now. Tell me what you think about this because so it initially happens, you know, quite a bit of blood, a lot was dripping on the apron uh, initially, and then it kind of seemed to subside a bit. Do you think that there was some communication between Brit and Thunder Rosa where a Brit kind of says, Kate, you know, rip me open more because we're not getting enough blood because it wasn't long after that and Thunder Rosa like like dug her nails into the yeah. forehead. She uh, of was Baker biting. Here. She was biting her the Was the, it the biting? Cut. Okay. 
well, that's what she signalized. But yeah, maybe she was getting the fingernails in there. I, I think that's definitely what it was. Because it was after that moment where she's like attacking her forehead that that blood really starts to flow. Yeah, I, like I, I, they I think did you're the right. blade, but it wasn't coming enough. And I could just, I don't know. I just feel like this is this woman's charisma, Britt Baker, that there's not enough blood. Like you got to do this. We got to get it more. It's going to be so much more impactful, and it, and it totally was. Um, uh, we get another huge spot here uh, just after this with the ladder still propped up on the ropes. Thunder Rosa gets Brit on uh, the top rope and does a Death Valley driver to Brit right on top of the ladder. Ugh. Was it the opposite way? What's that? No, I'm I'm shaking my head upside? like it okay. was. All right. No, you got it right. You got it right. I'm just like okay. I can't. I'm reliving it. I'm reliving it. I. <laughs> that's why I'm shaking my head. No, uh, and, you're and exactly at, right. At this point, I'm thinking, wow, like Brit is taking a majority of the brunt of this match. Um, yes. And and what we if we had a scorecard here, I think we'd be right on that. This is mostly Brit taking the big bumps. Uh, absolutely and after we get this death valley driver tides you can say the tides sort of shift in the match brit starting to gain a little bit more control um after you know after some moves getting back into it and we get the visual of the match this is my favorite part of the match this is the this is the part of the match that makes me smile this is the part that really gets me emotionally invested into this. You know, the eyes are starting to well up with excitement. This is the moment that this match becomes legendary. And we saw a glimpse of this from Brit back in May when she has her title fight with um, her title match with Hikaru Shida. And Shida gets an aired knee, busts Brit open. And Britt just laughs it off as the blood's gushing out of her nose and into her mouth. And this is even more impactful because now it's the crimson mask. Absolutely forehead to chin, covered in blood. And she makes eye contact with the camera and just laughs. Smiling, enjoying every minute of it. This is a very, very important visual. For this matchup. And this is where I'm excited now. I'm like this match is going to be legendary. Britt. Like I mentioned. Well what are your thoughts on. On the smiling of the camera. Before we go any further. Yeah I know I. Like you said we we have seen this before. So this is not a new thing. But much more impactful. With the, with the crimson mask. I mean. It's important in that it's like we're we're not glow wrestling. We're not Good the point. divas from WWE. We are wrestlers and we're going to do it the way that it is done and the way that it's done here at AEW following the likes of, you know, John Moxley and and Kenny Omega and Eddie Kingston. Like we we're doing this for real and and we're here to put on a show and I think this one image that has uh used up so much bandwidth on the internet this past <laughs> uh, few days um is this is really the, the result of that so 
Uh, very, very important. Number one selling t-shirt, by the way, pro wrestling tees, shop AEW.com. It's already oh, yeah. on the t-shirt. Um, it's at this moment where now that Brit's kind of in back in control of the match, uh, Reba, she goes to Reba on the outside and Reba passes her the velvet bag. And I mean, we've seen enough lights out unsanctioned matches to know what the velvet bag means. Um, is there any doubt in your mind? Are, are, are you at this moment as Brit is absolutely selling the shit out of this velvet bag? She's opening it up with her teeth. You know, she's moving the chairs out. She's really taking her time, which is, again, perfectly done. Is there any doubt in your mind that this might not be what we know it's going to be? Were you thinking they were going to do something else? You know what? I'm not even going to lie on this one. Um, in this moment, I, I'm just so into the match and, and focused on the face of bridge she's still smiling at this point you know just kind of relishing getting the absolute crap beaten out of her that i i don't even i wasn't even thinking about what was in the bag and then when she pours it out i'm just like no way like no way this is this is about to happen um so i don't know I don't know what where I was. <laughs> I was in La La Land. I yeah. should have known what was going to happen, but I mean, if this is John Moxley with this bag, I I know what it is. It's not right. marbles. <laughs> it's not marbles. <laughs> it's not Lego. Yeah, it's uh, not Lego. Good reference to Nakazawa. <laughs> Love it. So, yeah. but yeah, no, I did not even realize. I didn't put two and two together here. So, I mean. I'm like, there's, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. I'm thinking at this moment, they, are they really going to do a tax spot? Really? They're bringing the tax out and then she pours it out. And now my mind goes to, well, who's taking this? Cause we all know the unwritten rule of, of, of wrestling. If you set it up, you're going through it. And at the same time, Brit's already taken the ladder to the face the Death Valley driver, you know, some of the stiffest chair shots we've ever seen in, in women's wrestling. Is she really going to do tax too? And then that's when, you know, as, as we're getting set up, uh, Brit's gonna, um, Brit's teasing the, uh, fisherman suplex. I forget what she calls that move for herself, but that, uh, kind of that, uh, rotating, uh, pendulum, uh, neck breaker, I guess is what it is. Um, that's when Rosa reverses it and Reba comes into the ring and, and tries to attack, uh, Rosa with the crutch. Now Reba's wearing a denim jacket and leather pants. And I'm like, Oh, Reba's going to take the spots cause she's protected. You know, she could very easily be wearing some kind of, you know, cardboard or, you know, metal plate under her jacket so that it's not as bad. Like, I'm giving them all the benefit of the doubt at this point. But then 
Rosa just smacks her upside the head with the crutch and she goes to the outside and then we get the shotgun drop kick into the table. We get that spot with, with Reba going into the table, which I mean, props to Reba for even getting involved and even taking a table spot. But now we're back to the tax. I'm like, who is going through these tax? And then we get the spot as Rosa turns around, kick to the gut, powerbomb to Britt Baker, bare back into the tax. And again, the camera, tight shot to, to Britt's face in agony, that blood filling her mouth, running down her face. Holy shit. That, if, if there was ever a holy shit moment, that was it. Yeah, um, if you haven't seen this match and, and we've now convinced you to go check it out, go and watch Cody versus Eddie Kingston. Th this is not an Eddie Kingston tax spot. Eddie Kingston had four tax in him compared to the <laughs> amount of tax that Britt Baker had in her back. Um, she nearly had all of them in her back. I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody take so many tax to the back now granted some of these are not you know puncturing her skin uh she's sweating so i'm sure they're some of them are sticking to her but that visual of uh you know her wearing this uh aluminum shirt <laughs> essentially <laughs> uh was just insane <laughs> it, it was an awesome visual as she rolled off and yeah her back was filled with tacks and i mean you know Honesty, honesty aside, like some of them are kind of sticking out, but you can't fake that. It's not like, you know, they're glued to her back or anything like that. It's just the way some of them were laying. But holy shit, did she have a lot in her at that point? And I mean, the only comment I could have made, I'm like, I think Britt just broke Jericho's record for 62 tacks in his back from the Ambrose Asylum match in vanilla. like. She had to have a hundred tax in her at that point. It was insane. The match isn't over at this point, everybody. As uh <laughs> as uh <laughs> Rosa goes for the pin and Britt kicks out while lying in the in the tax. Uh there's a quick super kick out of nowhere. Britt kind of gets things back in order, hooks in the lockjaw. And, you know, this is unsanctioned. There's no rules. There's no rope breaks. The only option Rosa has to get out of this match is tap or roll Britt back into the tax. And that's exactly what she does. And Britt takes another tax spot. You know, I feel I feel like maybe there was a discussion like maybe there was a discussion all right, who's taking the, the suplex into the chairs? And then who's taking the tax? You know, because it had to have been one or the other. Not knowing that whoever was given the suplex spot was probably going to get the worst of it, which is what happened. But I got to think, this is Brit. Brit volunteered. I want to go into the tax. I want, I want the tax. I mean... Was there an argument 
did Thunder Rosa come back? Like, well, wait, why do you get to go through the tax? I can't say. We don't know what happened behind, you know, closed doors or whatever, but I, I feel Britt volunteered for this. Yeah, and, and I mean, this This really kind of makes sense. Uh, now that we know the outcome, you know, with Rosa winning this and Britt with uh, another loss, um, Britt really is the, is the one that, that benefits from this match. You know, Rosa's going to... Um, I'm I'm not sure if she's going to get a, a title shot out of this. She does have other commitments uh, outside of AEW, and you know, Britt is uh you know kind of the mainstay here. She really needed to come out looking, you know that that uh, you know we keep coming back to the the face of the division. Um, that's really. What, what we get out of this is, um, you know, like if anybody's going to lead this, this women's division charge and, and, and make it legit, it's, it's Britt Baker. For sure. Uh, you mentioned the ending. We go into the ending shortly after the second tax spot as, uh, you know, the girls get out to the apron Brit's climbing the rope, uh, Excalibur, you know, hey, you powerbombed me into the tax. I'm going to powerbomb you through the table. Rosa reversing it, and, and she, she drops the fire thunder driver off the apron through the table. One, two, three. Um, I thought there was a great, um, there was a great camera angle there as the match finishes, and... You know, to the untrained, to the untrained eye, we'll say. Uh, it just looks like Thunder Rosa is really rubbing the win into Britt's face. You know, you know, I did it. I'm the best, and and you know, look at you, a bloody mess. But there was there was a conversation of respect there when you really watch it closely. Uh, Rosa even, you know, wiping the hair out of Brit's mouth for her and, and, you know, maybe wiping some blood out of her eyes. But I think there was a thank you and, um, we fucking did it kind of quick conversation between the two much respect for both of these, um, between each other and, and from us as the fans, absolutely spectacular match. Yeah, I I I thought the the same when I first saw this that there was the definitely a uh you know like like we did it like this is what we wanted to do and and we did it and um the the fans at Daly's place were going crazy. I mean, we were going crazy and the Twitter which I was on, but I mean, this is every social platform was blowing up. Um, I immediately went to Twitter and said, you know, Britt Baker's my, my new favorite wrestler. Um, yes. she, she, I already was a fan, but like this right here, if this is the commitment you're going to put into your work, you have my respect and let's let's do this let's get this women's division where it, it needs to be and it's gonna really this isn't even about AEW. this is gonna help out 
everyone take these divisions in these companies more seriously and and we're going to see more matches like this and you know um let's not put vanilla brand uh out to pasture here you know we've seen an awesome match at uh, takeover with the ladies this one you know very much uh in line with with that match as well yeah absolutely um Let's talk about the aftermath of this match as uh, it was the next day that uh, it was early on Thursday that we got an AEW exclusive kind of breaking the fourth wall, breaking kayfabe a little bit here as we see the aftermath of the match. Uh, Tony Khan and Kenny Omega, uh, Kenny Omega being kind of the chief, um, uh, I don't know, agent or or whatever booker of the women's division if you will um they were both out there congratulating both both ladies thanking them i think that's the most important thing is that tony khan and and kenny omega you know immediately after making sure that both both competitors were okay thanking them for what they've done for not only the AEW women's division but for AEW this is an absolutely like I mean, no pun intended here, but pinnacle moment in the history of AEW. Like I said, we're going to be talking about this 10 years from now. It's going to be, it's going to be there. Yeah. And, you- and doesn't Tony use the, the words here, um, you know, best match ever on Dynamite? Yeah, he does say that. He does say that. Yeah. yeah. And I agree with him. For uh, sure. For sure. Another another thing Tony Khan mentions is that because this episode of Dynamite was a special, it was St. Patty's Day Slam, it'll be eligible at the end of the year for show of the year. This match will be eligible for match of the year, which, I mean, I'm nominating it right now. It, you know, yes, we are only in March, but match of the year last year, happened in february at revolution being the young bucks versus omega and page for the aew tag team championships i'm nominating this if this is not in the conversation of match of the year next year i'm gonna be very upset it it was that good yeah it it should dominate a lot of those categories i i think so and i mean uh, a little bit later on in the in the thing, we get to we get to see a promo from Thunder Rosa. Um, she talks about how she came from nothing and she came she came to AEW to put women's wrestling on the map and and you know she's accomplished her goal. Uh, I agree with that for sure. And then we get to see some even more behind the scenes as Baker heading down the hallways that we are so familiar with in uh bte and whatnot sammy's vlog we get to see these hallways it's obvious she's heading to the doctor's office and uh you know they're pulling the tax out of her back and 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 stuff like that and she just says you know i i I just hope Meltzer like this match and i think moxley will be proud and i think jericho would be proud and I mean, I haven't heard from Moxley or Jericho. I mean, not that I've like gone to like actively look out what they've said. Maybe we'll do that after the podcast. But I mean, if you're not proud of these girls for this matchup, there's something wrong with you. There's absolutely something yeah. wrong with you. 
And I, I haven't heard from Mox or Jericho. Oh, sorry to interrupt you. I haven't heard from Mox or Jericho, but Mick Foley. <laughs> oh, Mick nice. Foley did tweet about this. Yeah. What did very, he very have to proud. say? Oh, it's just a, a a little video of the uh, the match. I, I think it might have even been paused on that image of Britt, and then the camera just kind of turns and he, uh, he gives like a thumbs up. Awesome. Know, in approval. That's really cool to see because, you know, I'm kind of comparing in my analysis of this match, I kind of compare Brit to Mick Foley. So that's really cool that Mick Foley kind of sees the parallels. Um, Brit met, mentions, you know, I hope Meltzer liked it. I was very curious in, in how Meltzer uh, was going to react to this match. Uh, the ratings are in, the infamous star ratings are in. Meltzer gives this match four and three quarter stars. Um, it is the ninth, I think it was sixth or seventh highest rated match of the year. I think the only thing holding this back was is that it wasn't a pay per view. I feel like I've read or heard from Meltzer before that you know it basically has to be on on pay per view to be a five-star match at least. So the fact that this is four and three-quarter stars not being on a pay-per-view, I think that, I mean, in Meltzer's own sick little weird way, he knows that this match was was very, very important to the business. And, and I'm glad that he, he um, showed it the respect it deserves. I feel like he could have just thrown it the extra quarter star. Who's it going to hurt? It was definitely a five-star it, match in my mind. Yeah, that, that, that logic makes no sense. And I think Meltzer needs to change that. Um, a match is a match. If it was on dark and, and it was amazing, then it, it deserves uh, the rating it deserves. So, um, uh, you know, l let's not... Um, you get too down on this very, very deserving of, of what they got. Um, I, I think they should have had the five, the five is kind of the, um, would you say it's the, uh, the ultimate kind of score there? I think they, they should have just got that. Um, but, uh, you know, you also mentioned that the exploding barbed wire death match got a, a 4.5 so this this beat out moxley and omega that that's how how huge this match was yeah very 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 well deserved but i i think they got shortchanged a little bit i think this is a five-star match um maybe we'll have to have uh Meltzer on the show and and ask him his reasonings behind shorten them the the quarter star but uh that's a discussion for another time uh, if you guys haven't watched this match, go watch it. It's on demand on TSN up here in Canada. Um, download it, pirate it if you have to. It's probably <laughs> one of the only times I'll advocate pirating uh, wrestling, but it's worth it. It, it You need to watch this match. Um, do what you can to, to get a hold of it and watch it. Uh, go to Twitter at... Britt Baker DMD at Thunder Rosa. 
I don't think those are actually the 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 handles, but go congratulate these girls, man. They deserve it. Uh, I'm so proud of them. I can't wait to see the effects of of this match and 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 how it alters the future of uh, the women's division in AEW. It's long overdue. It's long overdue, and uh, it it's up to the next the next group, you know. To, to carry to keep the momentum going, Jade Cargill, Sheeta, you know, Riho, Danny Jordan, Kylan King, you know, they, they they all have to step up their game now because yeah, the queens, absolutely. the queens are Brit and Thunder Rosa for now, and they set the bar. This this is the <sighs> new bar now. It is the new bar, you know. Let, I mean, we mentioned it uh, at the beginning of the segment. Not every match needs to be bloody and, and hardcore, but there is a certain expectation of storytelling and performance that we are accustomed to now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and not every match is going to live up to it, and not every match needs to be better, but there is a certain benchmark that everybody needs to hit now, and it's gotten a little bit higher than what it was you know, 72 hours ago. So absolutely huge stuff. Uh, what a great show. Uh, St. Patty's day slam was an absolute hit. I loved it from start to finish. Like I said, main event of the year, main event of the decade of the century. Like there's, there's a handful of matches every year that, that get that, you know, that four or five stars. And um, we're going to be talking about this next year. Guarantee it. Uh, around this, around you know, the turn of the year when we're talking about matches of the year and 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 feuds of the year and 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 everything. Like we're going to be talking about this match again. And you know, what's the date today? March nineteenth, twenty twenty one. I'm saying it. In in nine years, when we're talking about uh, the past decade and the moments of dynamite, we're going to be talking about this match. For sure. Well put. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to be subscribed. Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Just search Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. Leave us those five-star ratings. Hit us up on the Twitter at Impromptu Jeff at impromptu damien i'd love to hear your thoughts on the lights out unsanctioned match between dr Britt baker and thunder rosa if you have anything negative to say about it i will throw hands with you i will defend this match to my death it was that good thanks for listening everybody and go fuck yourself jason corvette because i know you didn't like it i know you (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.